You're listening to a podcast from Victory. A true leader is someone who is willing to make personal sacrifice. Learn more in week one of Rise and Fall. We'd like to welcome those of you who are joining us for the first time. Uh, my name is Pastor Ariel Marquez. I'm one of the pastors of this church. Uh, we'd also like to welcome those of you who are listening to the podcast. Normally, people are listening also, uh, downloading the podcast regularly. We are starting a brand new series uh, this morning entitled Rise and Fall. And uh, this is actually a uh, series on leadership. And I believe that this is a very timely message for us. Uh, I know that all of you are gearing up for the election. And how many of you are feeling already the election fever? Uh, You know, you probably have your own different candidates. That's exactly why we're doing this. Uh, We want it to be intentional so that we can actually have biblical guidelines on how to choose our national leaders and even our local leaders. And so in the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at some of the kings that ruled Israel, their rise to the kingdom and also their fall uh, as they have done some mistakes along the way. Uh, we will be focusing today basically on the book of Judges before the kings. And then next week, we're going to be looking at uh, the first king, King Saul. Uh, and then we're going to move forward to King David, King uh, Solomon. And then we're going to end this series on May 8 uh, with King Hezekiah. I know that May 9 will be uh, the election. And uh, I know that all of you are ready to uh, vote as well. How many of you are registered voter here? Please ra- uh, raise your hand. How many of you are registered voters? Oh, that's a lot. Okay, that's great. Even the young people. Who are who used to be uh, like high school students are now eligible to voting because uh, they are beyond uh, eight, 18 years old. So we hope to be able to give us a picture of a leader worth following. And I believe that all of us are called to lead. How many of you would say amen to that? You and I are called to lead as well. You and I have certain influences and we lead whatever. Okay, We either lead our families, we lead uh, people around us. There's a certain influence that we have on people. And this particular title, Rise and Fall, basically talks about some of the character and conviction and commitment of leaders and just, uh, you know, you know uh, warnings as well. Um, somebody once said, I, you know, I believe that you all know him by the name of John Maxwell, everything rises and falls on leadership. And it's so important for us to be able to know the role of uh, leaders in our nation. Leadership is both a privilege and a responsibility. Everybody say privilege. Everybody say responsibility. Thus, this coming um, election, we are looking at, you know, several, you know, there's, you know, we're going to be voting for one president, one VP. We're going to be looking at uh, 12 uh, senators. You're not voting for a judge, okay? Uh, Judges are appointed. But we're going to be voting for a congressman locally. Uh, It depends on which uh, city you're in. Some have two districts. Uh, We're going to be voting for mayors, vice mayors, councillors. If you're from the province, you're going to be voting for governors, vice governors, and um, board members. And so this is so critical for us as a nation. You know, particularly this presidential election in 2016. You know, many of us have actually been so exposed with uh, different candidates. Many of you are studying your candidates. Many of you are watching uh, the debates that have been going on uh, on, uh, on television. But let me just present this fact and truth to us. The destiny of our nation is not in the hands of politicians. 
I just want to go ahead and say that in the forefront. Because many times what we do is we focus so much on personalities that we actually forget that God ultimately has a purpose for our nation. Amen. And I believe that when you, know, when you vote for a candidate, that candidate will run for six, you know, for six years or so, some three years locally. Nationally, it's six years. But how many of you know that God has been in charge of this nation for the past decades, centuries, and different generations? Are we here this morning? I'm not here to pop your bubbles, by the way. You know, we're, you know many people are asking, what's victory stand? We're going to look at that later on. Ultimately, our destinies, a nation's destiny is in the hands of our sovereign God. Amen. God is sovereign. Jesus is Lord over our nation. Yes, you may see that in some facets of our society, may not be seen in the others, but we are declaring that. You know, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And so, this leadership series really is for preparing us for the coming election. Many members are asking, you know, what's, as I said earlier, what's the stand of victory? You know, if you're asking for a specific presidential or vice presidential candidate that we are endorsing, the response is unanimous. There is none. And we're not going to do that using our puppet or using our influence to dictate on people what we think should be voted on. Ultimately, we know that the church of Jesus is called to be salt of the earth and light of the world. You know, part of the things that we are really teaching our people is to be involved in the political arena. In the same way that we pray for people for success in the area of media, we pray for people in the arts, we pray for people in the entertainment world, we pray for people in the sports, we pray for successive people in the marketplace. You know, many of you come to us to do business dedication and we pray for success for your business. Amen? In the same way that we want people to succeed in different facets of society, we also want people to succeed in this facet of society called the politics. Political arena. And I believe that many people would look at this particular facet as dark and dirty and corrupt. But if people who are good will not do what they're called to do, then we've already lost by default. I believe God wants us to be involved in the politics. Amen. And we pray for people in the same way that we're praying for other people, members, uh, in other arenas, we also are praying for them in this political arena. But when you talk about endorsement, we will not use, as I said earlier, we will not endorse. We will not use the pulpit as a means for us to advance maybe a platform or a name or a candidate or any political party. Can you imagine? There are several churches in Victory that have different politicians attending those churches from different political views and political parties. What's amazing is, though they come from different political parties, some of them go to the same victory group. Isn't that amazing? That though we are divided by different political lines, that we have been united by one name, and that is the name of Jesus. Ultimately, He is the name we're glorifying. Amen. And we're not going to divide because of, you know, you are going for this candidate and I am going for this candidate. And we're going to look at that process later on. This is really amazing how we can discover what God's plan is for us. And so, you know, you probably have seen some of the maybe pastors who have put on their social media some, you know, names of candidates. We just have one exception to the rule. 
in the same way that we have prayed for some people uh, for the other facets, we also, on our own personal but not representing victory, their own personal duties as a citizen of the nation to also pray and somehow stand with those people who have been, these are the qualifiers, long time, committed, consistent members of Victory. It doesn't mean that if you just join us, a pastor, I just joined Victory. You know, I am a member of Victory, but I just joined two weeks ago. Okay? So, you know, it takes time for us to be able to vouch the character of a person. Okay? And, uh, you know, there are some candidates who have been with us from the time that we actually raised them up from kids' church, who we saw how, you know, they have been discipled and how they have been raised up and how they have consistently walked with God. And now they're running for political office. And so, you know, some of our pastors who are uh, involved in that particular city, you know, are also endorsing him. But they're not in any way representing victory as a church, but they are representing themselves as a citizen of that particular city or barangay. Are you getting the point? So we also check and the vouch, you know, we check the, the character and the consistency of members before we actually do that. But generally, we will not endorse, you know, you will not hear from me here today any names of uh, any candidate. Uh, Unless there's a slip of the tongue. But anyway, so uh, we, we don't want to do that, okay? We, will, we don't want to do that. We want to be responsible as well. And we want you to be guided upon uh, and be led by the Holy Spirit. So I'd like to invite everyone to stand. And we're going to be reading from our text this morning. We're actually going to be looking at judges. I know that this next few weeks, we're going to be focusing on the kings of Israel. But today, we're going to be looking at pre-king period. And we are looking at the book of Judges, Judges chapter 9, verse 1 to 15. I know that this is a long text for us. You know, many of you are wondering, you know, who are the judges? Remember Samson? Okay, he's one of those judges. Deborah is one of those judges. Gideon is another judge, okay? So before the kings were set in place, God used judges. There is a period between Joshua and Saul, in that particular period, was a period of Judges. So we're going to be reading from Judges chapter 9, verse 1 to 15. So I actually put it here because we are reading quite a long text, including a parable in the Old Testament. Okay? So let's read from verse 1. Now Abimelech, the son of Jerubal. Jerubal, by the way, is another name for Gideon. Okay? So the son of Jerubal or Gideon went to Shechem to his mother's relatives and said to them and to the whole clan of his mother's family, Say in the ears of all the leaders of Shechem, which is better for you, that all seventy of the sons of Jerubal rule over you, or that one rule over you. Remember also that I am your bone and your flesh. And his mother's relatives spoke all these words on his behalf in the ears of all the leaders of Shechem, and their hearts inclined to follow Abimelech. For they said, He is our brother. And they gave him seventy pieces of silver out of the house of Baal Berif, with which Abimelech hired worthless and reckless fellows who followed him. And he went to his father's house at Ophrah, and killed his brothers, the sons of Jerubal, 70 men on one stone. Everybody say, on one stone. But Jotham, the youngest son of Jerubal, was left 
for he hid himself. And all the leaders of Shechem came together, and all Beth Milo, and they went and made Abimelech king. Even before the king was instituted by God, he made himself king by the oak of the pillar of Shechem. When it was told to Jotham, he went and stood on the top of Mount Gerizim and cried aloud and said to them, Listen to me, you leaders of, leaders of Shechem, that God may listen to you. And then he said this particular parable or fable, if you may say. The trees once went to anoint a king over them, and they said to the olive tree, Reign over us. But the olive tree said to them, Shall I leave my abundance by which gods and men are honored and go hold sway over the trees? And the trees said to the fig tree, You come and reign over us. But the fig tree said to them, Shall I leave my sweetness and my good fruit and go hold sway over the trees? And the tree said to the vine, You come and reign over us. But the vine said to them, Shall I leave my wine that cheers God and men and go hold sway over the trees? Then all the trees said to the bramble, You come and reign over us. And the bramble said to the trees, If in good faith you are anointing me king over you, then come and take refuge in my shade. But if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we are grateful for this morning. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us as a church and as individuals, what our role is as we choose the next leaders of our nation. Thank you, Lord God, that this message is such a critical for us uh, today that we may understand the purpose of God for our nation, that, Lord, ultimately we look to you because uh, our nation is not going to be left in the hands of men, but, Lord, ultimately we lift this nation up in your hands as well. We thank you that you have a sovereign plan, will, and a purpose for this land we thank you, Lord God, for this time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just to give you a short background, as I said earlier, uh, just in between Joshua and the first king, King Saul, was the period of Judges. Joshua basically was a very powerful generation. They were the ones, together with Caleb, who actually went into the promised land. They crossed not only the Red Sea, but they crossed the River Jordan and they went inside and started claiming the promise uh, of God to the land of Israel by distributing the different lands there. Now, in Judges chapter 2, the Bible says, when that generation died, Joshua 2.10 is one of the saddest verse, saddest verse in the Bible actually. Judges chapter 2 verse 10, it says, when that whole generation died, referring to the Joshua generation, another generation rose up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done to the nation of Israel. How sad it was for Joshua and his comrades and his entire generation not to be able to pass on and tell them the mighty works that God has done to the nation of Israel. God has been faithful. How many of you know that God has been faithful to us? God has been faithful to the nation of Israel. In the same way, God has been faithful to our nation as well. We see the hand of God in our nation. We see God's hand in the, in the nation of Israel. Yet, what they failed to do what they, was they failed to pass on the news, the stories. They didn't, the, the young children did not know about the exploits that they had because of the help of the Almighty God. And so, we see that there is always a cycle in the life of the Israelites 
whenever they forget God. So when the people rebel, you know, it's a sign that you know they have forgotten about the Lord. And once there is rebellion, God would allow a foreign invader to come in. In this particular case, we've read about the account of Gideon and Abimelech. They were actually being conquered by the Midianites at this time. Okay? And then after the foreign oppression, people will repent. And then God would send a judge to lead the people and deliver them from the hands of the foreign invader. And so we're looking at the period of Judges. And what common theme that we can find in this Judges is this particular verse. In fact, the book of Judges ended with this last verse. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. It was sad because, uh, you know, instead of them being led by the Lord, they thought that they can actually be led by themselves. And they, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. The Bible says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. And we need to be careful about that particular way that we follow. In Judges chapter 8, verse 22 and 23, you know, just to give you a background, Gideon was actually a very great judge that led the people out of the Midianites. You know, maybe some of you have uh, read or remember, how many of you remember Gideon's 300? Okay? That when God chose Gideon, you know, he started off in uh, Judges chapter 6, I believe, when he called Gideon, and Gideon was actually very insecure. When the angel of the Lord called him and he said, you know, you mighty man of valor. And he said, who am I? I am the least in my family. I am the least. My family is the least in my clan. And how can God use me? Yet despite his insecurity, despite his feeling of inadequacy, God used him to lead the people of God out of bondage. And how many of you know that many times... You know, what we perceive to be strong is not really strong at all. But we perceive to be weak is actually the very thing that God will use to be able to deliver us so that the glory will not go to man, so that the glory will go to God. Are we here this morning? And then we see, you know, just, just so that we can actually understand the context, you know, Gideon basically was the one who asked for a sign. How many of you normally when you pray you ask for a sign? Lord, if this happens, you know, you got that from Gideon. Gideon asked for a sign, Lord, if it is your will for me to attack the Midianites, may this fleece be wet and the ground be dry. And so the next morning, it happened. Lord, if you will not be angry, please do the reverse this time. May the ground be wet and the fleece be dry. And it happened. And so basically, God confirmed you are to attack the Midianite and you are to choose the people for battle. Gideon chose 22,000. Against 100, about 150,000 people from the Midianites. And God said, your number is too many. If you're an accountant and you have 22,000 people against 150,000, how many of you know that that is more than what you have? The enemy is more than what you have. But yet God told Gideon, what you have is too many. So here's what you do to sift it. You ask the people, if you are fearful, go home. Guess what? 12,000 went home that very, very day. 10,000 were left. How many of you know that 10,000 is good enough for Gideon, right? Against 150,000? And God said to Gideon, you are still too many. Allow the people to drink and I'm going to sift who will go with you and who will go home. 
Some of the people lapped like dogs, and some of the people actually took it by the hand. And he separated those who lapped like dogs, and he got 300 men who would actually go with him to battle. Now he said, now this number is more than enough. Ow! 300 against 100 plus thousand. Because it is not by the hand of man that he delivers. It is always by the hand of God. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise for that. We need to be careful to always look at men for the deliverance of our nation. You know, even if you put a Christian president in this nation, it is not the hand of our nation does not rest. You know, the destiny of this nation does not rest on the hand of any president or anyone there no matter how righteous he or she may, is, may be. It always is in the hands of the sovereign almighty God. Amen. Let's not miss the point of why we're doing what we're doing. And so Gideon with this 300 said, Guys, here's the plan. I want you all to get a trumpet on one hand and get a torch on another hand. Where's our swords? No, you don't need the swords. What a plan! Uh, uh, Gideon, uh, uh, are you really a soldier? Hello? Or are you part of the band? I mean, he told them to get a trumpet and he told them to get a, you know, a, a torch and that's about it. He divided the 300 men into three companies and let's go and attack. And he said, wait for my signal as I blow my horn and then everybody will blow his horn. And then smash the jar and lift up your torch. That was the plan. Where's my sword and my spear and my arrow? You don't need that, guys. And guess what happened? If you can just read through the story of Gideon, God set a confusion and an ambush against the enemy, and the enemy started killing one another even without Gideon fighting them. There was no blood in the hands of Gideon. They started attacking each other, and on that one encounter, 115,000 men died in one encounter against 300 who were watching them kill each other. I am galing. <laughs> God fights our battles. And this is what happened now. That's the context. That's the background. Now we see in Judges chapter 8, after Gideon brought so much victory to Israel, the men of Israel said to Gideon, Rule over us! How many of you know that after one battle, of course, your respect for this guy will go up because God used him to lead the people of God to victory. And so they said, rule over us, you and your son and your grandson. The start of political dynasty has begun. <laughs> this was not even the time of kings. This was pre-Samuel day. And yet they were now clamoring, Gideon, since you were the one who reigned over us, Go lead us, not only you, but may there be succession. Your son, your son's son, and your son's son's son. Diyan ka na, pumuesto ka na dyan, bro. Gideon said to them, and this is amazing, I will not rule over you, and my son will not rule over you. Who will rule over you? The Lord will rule over you. Amen. And I hope that our politicians would say the same words coming from the mouth of Gideon. May they say, I will not rule over you. My son will not rule over you. 
may the Lord rule over you. But unfortunately, everybody wants to rule the world. And we see that time and time again happening not only in this nation, you know, even in the U.S., they're in the middle of a big presidential election this coming November. They're also going to be choosing their leader. Our nation has a great destiny. And I don't want to minimize that. But how we choose and who we choose as our leaders will determine how long it will take to reach our destiny. We can be like the Israelites who took 40 years going around the wilderness before they reached the promised land. Or, you know, when the Bible said it will actually just take them 11 days to reach the promised land. But God allowed them to go around in circles, around and around and around in circles because of their disobedience, their trust in men, and their bad leaders. Three things I want to just present to us as biblical consideration for choosing leader. Number one is purpose. Everybody say purpose. And this is not the purpose of man. This is the purpose of God over our nation. You know, we're sometimes very limited in our perspective. As I said, many times you look at just the tenure of a candidate. You know, three years, six years. And we look at the platform. Of course, that's part of our assignment. That's part of our homework that we actually sit down, study, choose which one is a better candidate. But yet, let's not forget the fact that God is sovereign over the nation. That God has a plan for our nation. You know, even in what happened to Abimelech, we know that in the first part of his reign, what he did was he basically hired reckless wanderers to help him kill his 70 brothers on one stone. And he ruled with violence. In fact, the, we're going to be looking at this in a while. The analogy that was given about him was he was a bramble or a thorn bush in another translation. And yet, we think that, you know, is that the way to rule? What he sowed was what eventually he reaped. In Judges chapter 9, as we go on further, Abimelech ruled over Israel for three years. And God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the leaders of Shechem. Initially, it was the leaders of Shechem that placed him there. Remember that? In the first part of the verse, chapter 9, the leaders of Shechem were the ones who actually gave you know, him support. And the leaders of Shechem put men in ambush against him. Move on further, there was a war. He was chasing someone. Verse 53, a certain woman threw an upper millstone on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. Abimelech killed his 70 brothers on one stone. It was one stone who killed Abimelech that crushed his skull and eventually he died. You know, many times when people try to rule according to their own plans and purpose, it will not prevail. God's purpose ultimately will prevail. Can I hear an amen this morning? In Romans chapter 13, verse 1, 4 and 5, a reminder of the Apostle Paul about the role of civil authorities for us. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority. Everybody say, there is no authority. 
except from God. Each authority has been established by God and those that exist have been instituted by God. Whatever form of government there is, whether it's a democratic government or another type of government, there is no authority, the Bible says, except that was instituted by God. In the time when the Apostle Paul was writing this book of Romans was the time when Emperor Nero from Rome was actually killing Christians for a game. And he is, you know, capturing Christians, putting them in the arena, feeding them to the lions, torching them, making them, you know, lampposts in the Roman roads. And yet Paul had the boldness through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit say this. There is no authority except that which is instituted by God. You gotta check the context when the Apostle Paul was writing this to the Romans. He could have written an El Filibusterismo type of writing or a Noelimitangre type, you know, you know, let's revolt against the government, let's do this. No, but he said he recognized that ultimately it's the sovereign hand of God that is ruling over the nation. Amen. Many times we get the leaders that we deserve. Sad to say. For if he is God's servant, verse 4, for your, he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Ultimately, we are declaring this verse over our nation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom He has chosen as His heritage. Amen. Psalm 33, verse 12. What's interesting is, you know, one of our members designed our Philippine currency and have placed that particular verse in the bill. And you can see that within Tagalog. Pinagpala ang bayan na ang Diyos ay ang Panginoon. We use that. Circulating around the nation is actually a verse declaring the sovereignty of God and the blessedness of God being our Lord. Amen. In fact, this coming year, as we have new president, we're going to also be having new passports. You know, the new design of the passport is amazing. The same person who designed the currency is also the one who designed the new passport from DFA. You know, you look at the new face, there's an eagle, Philippine eagle. You know, these are some of the pages of the passport. New hope for our nation. Amen. You know, if you look at even some indicators of our nation, you know, the GDP indicators, it's all going up. In fact, the Philippine economic growth has grown in the past three years higher than that of Singapore, Thailand, Malaysia, and Brunei. Amazing. Come on, give the Lord praise for that. My question is, is it because of the leadership of the current administration? Maybe or maybe not. What I do believe is that God is sovereign over our nation. Look at the Philippines, how it's grown. The trend is going up, whereas China's trend is actually slowing down a bit. 
God is doing something in our nation. Amen. God has a purpose for this land. Now let's look at people. Of course, God will use people to run things. He will not use angels to lead this nation. We are to be responsible enough to choose our leaders. What defines a leader is not what he is competent of doing, but the value system that governs his character. Now let's look at the fable or the parable that Jotham shared. And he actually used three trees, actually four trees. First, he said in Judges chapter 9, verse 8, and this is actually a picture of the Garden of Gethsemane wherein there's so many olive trees all around that garden. And he said, one day the trees went to, to the king to anoint a king for themselves. They said to the olive tree, be our king. But the olive tree answered, should I give up my oil? That was a statement in another translation. In the ESV version, it says, should I leave my fruit? In the NIV, it says, should I give up my oil by which both gods and men are honored to sway over the trees? Then he went to the fig tree. And he said, and they said, Come and be our king. But the fig tree replied, Should I give up my fruit so good and sweet to hold sway over the trees? And he was not willing to give up his fruit. Then he went on to another very significant tree in Israel, the vine. Come be our king. And the vine said, Should I give up my wine? which cheers both gods and men to hold sway over the trees. You know, really, we don't really have to go to the analogy of what each particular fruit represents, but one thing is common among these three trees. They're not willing to sacrifice something in order to serve the greater good. We would see that one of the requirements of leaders really is that of personal sacrifice over personal gain. And these leaders, these trees that represent supposed to be good leaders. And these are the known trees in Israel. It's kind of like talking about the Gimaras mango tree of Manila or, 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 or the Philippines. Or maybe going to the U.S., you know, Washington apples from the U.S. Or maybe the cherry blossoms from Japan. These particular trees are the trees that are very significant in the nation of Israel. And yet, one tree was willing to do it. And it's the bramble tree. You know, when we went there a month ago, we went to Mount uh, to Corazin. And Corazin was one of those cities that were actually uh, cursed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he basically said, From Capernaum, woe to you, Corazin. And he was, because of this, their disobedience, uh, they were cursed. And this is one of the trees that was standing in that particular place in Corazin. Notice that there's no other trees around this tree. It's called the Brumble Tree. And when we went there under that shade, in fact, the tree said to the Brumble in verse 14, it says, Come, rule over us. The Brumble said to the trees, If in good faith you are anointing me king over you, then come and take refuge in my shade. Our teacher basically said, There's only one purpose of the Brumble, and that is to provide shade. That's it. In fact, there's one big brumble at the entrance of this particular place, <laughs> Corazin, okay? And he said this brumble is so big, it can actually cover about 300 men under its shade. 300 soldiers can actually rest under the shade of this big brumble tree. What's amazing is the fruit of the brumble tree. 
That's actually Shirley who picked up a small fruit that is lying there on the ground. Thousands of this little fruit. It's not aratelis, by the way. Okay, it's a bramble fruit. A description of this bramble fruit is that when the tree catches fire, this fruit actually explodes. In fact, when, um, when our teacher, Bible guide, uh, Arye was serving in the military, they were serving in Golan Heights, and they were practicing shooting because of the firepower of their weapons. Some of the trees, because it's uh, full of uh, bramble trees around Golan Heights, some of the trees would catch fire and it would explode like hand grenades. That was a description. And they would check if they actually lost some of the grenades, but it's actually coming from that particular tree. Another thing about this tree is its root system is not like the vine. The vine's root is actually go, it goes deep to get the moisture from the soil, but the tree of the, the bramble tree's vine actually, uh, or, or roots actually goes horizontal. What it does is it destroys all the other trees in its path, about 50 meters around. Thus, when you look at the bramble tree, there's no other plant that lives beside a bramble tree. What a kind of a politician that is. And Jotham was using the picture of a bramble tree in the portion of Abimelech, and he said, this guy that you chose is like a bramble tree that eats everything in its path. And he explodes whenever, you know, he, yes, he promises shade, you can come under that tree. But when that tree decides to do its own thing, it is actually bringing more harm than good to the people around it. We decided to sit down, and so as you can see, it's, it's really a big tree, okay? This is our class that actually uh, was listening to uh, Aryeh as he was talking about the bramble tree. So qualifier, qualification for a leader, number one, is one that is willing to do personal sacrifice. Other qualification, we look at the story of Moses when he was talking to his father-in-law Jethro and his father-in-law gave him an advice. How many of you love your father-in-law? You know, they're good, right hands. Okay, you know, they, they're, they're full of wisdom. The father-in-law of Moses by the name of Jethro gave him an advice and he said, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of ten. Here we can see very quickly some of the qualification of leaders that you may be looking for in a candidate. Number one is commitment. One who is able to sacrifice his personal interest over personal gain. Second is competent, able men. Maybe this can give you track record. It talks about experience, able men. Conviction, men who fear God. They make a decision based on the Word of God or the guidance of the Bible instead of just pleasing other men. And last is character, trustworthy, hate bribes, honest, has compassion for people, and so on and so forth. These are some of the things that we're probably looking for in a candidate. My question for us this morning is, can you actually find a candidate that has all these four qualifications? Maybe not.
Is it possible for all Christians to unite and come together and just choose one candidate? I mean, pwede pa talaga yun, you know? Can we actually go and just make a decision? Let's just go for this candidate and let's do block voting. You know, we will never do that as a church because we don't want to preclude the hand of God and, you know, impact the, the free will of people in our congregations. We must take the responsibility in choosing leaders that we want us to lead. Many times we deserve the leaders that we choose. Which brings me to my last point as I come to a close. The importance of process in choosing leaders. First, we talked about the purpose of God. Second, we talked about the people that God uses, both those who are running and those who are voting. You know, the process really is how God now uses the ballot in releasing a leader to rule this nation. And this, you know, how do we decide to choose one? You know, some of the questions that we actually receive is, Pastor, isn't there just one Holy Spirit? Yes. And if the Holy Spirit speaks to you, does not He not speak to the other? You know, have, have you ever thought about that? How come as Christians in the same church or in different churches, we hear different voices? It's really about free will. Last Thursday, we did a, an exercise among the Southern Hub pastors. Uh, all the pastors of Alabang, Mutinlupa, and Santa Rosa gathered together, including some of our campus missionaries, and we did a mock election. Basically, what we did was, you know, okay, uh, we'll do this exercise just to prove this point. You know, we want you to say who's going to be your candidate for the presidency, and then, you know, if you want to describe why, then go ahead. And the outcome of the mock election was very revealing. We are not united. <laughs> there was not one candidate that led. There were three names that came out. And each one has a specific reason why he is choosing this particular candidate. Which is from Exodus 18, that's fine, and from the other verses in the Bible. Because the reality is we will never be able to find a candidate that has all these qualifications. And many times what people would say is, let's just choose from the lesser evil. How I many of you have heard of that? Wala na eh. Kung sino na lang yung pinaka hindi masama. That's our candidate. But yet, even among us, you know, we were looking at each other, we were laughing and we were saying, aren't we pastors? Aren't you supposed to hear the voice of God? But why is it that all of us have different names on our ballots? And here's the reason why. In the same way that God has given Adam and Eve the free will to choose in the garden, when He told them, you may eat from any tree in the garden, He presented to them the tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the other trees. I believe that in the same way, God uses the same principle in allowing us and exercise our free will in choosing the leaders that we have for this nation. Remember in Acts chapter 1, after Judas died because he betrayed Jesus, the apostles gathered together and they said, we need to choose a replacement for Judah. 
or for Judas. Acts chapter 1, read your Bible. And what they did was, they did not decide on it by voting, they exercised the lot. The lot is actually one wherein you can actually have sticks. You choose who is to be chosen as the leader. They chose it by the lot. Because that particular exercise basically talks about the sovereignty of the will of God in our lives. In the same way that God used that lot and chose Matthias. It was Matthias, Tagalog. Okay? That was chosen to replace Judas. I believe God will use the ballot to sovereignly choose the next president the next vice president, the next senator, the next mayor that we need for this land and for our cities. When we went out there, I was not looking down on Jansen or, you know, or uh, King or whoever because maybe they have a different candidate as mine. But what came out actually is a mutual respect. Because we told each other, we're not going to be divided because we have political, different political views. But ultimately, we know that God will use this particular process in order for us to know that God is sovereign over the affairs of men. The process in choosing a candidate is much more important than who will win in the election. Ultimately, we put our hope in God and not on the person who wins in the elections. We're going to have a post-election sermon right after May 9. And we're going to look at a new president being sworn into the office maybe by June. And I'd probably stand up here and say, even if my candidate did not win, if the person who won was not my candidate, he or she is still going to be my president. I hope that we can walk out here mature as believers and say, God, because you are sovereign over our nation and because we exercise our right as a citizen, the right of suffrage, not the right of suffering, okay? The right of suffrage, which is to go out and vote. I believe that God will use that particular institution of the ballot in order for us to find out who our leader will be in the next election. Ultimately, God determines the leader in accordance with His purpose. Lest we look at names and personalities and be divided by, you know, you're not here. By the way, we're all wearing blue. This is not a political campaign. We did not plan on this. I just cho chose this from my cabinet. This is not a, you know, God has been sovereign. I don't know. Rain is, you know, we didn't talk to Rain. We didn't talk to Yang. I don't know who even wears blue in the, among the candidates. I don't even care. Blue is the color of victory. But really, when you talk about the leader that will lead this nation in the next six years, ultimately, because of our trust in the Lord, He will be the one to determine that. And before we just worship the Lord, I just want to end with this scripture in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. Let's just read this together. Ready? One, two, three, four. By Him, Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things 
were created by Him and for Him. Amen. Can we all stand up right now? Can we just give the Lord praise this morning? Thank you for listening to one of our podcasts. We hope it blesses and inspires you to honor God and make disciples. For more messages like these or to access other resources, please visit victory.org.ph or download the Victory app for free on the iTunes Store or Google Play. If you would like to share a story of God's faithfulness in your life, please visit victory.org.ph slash mystory.